Good afternoon, my name is Mandy Baines, Principal Audit and Assurance at CPA Canada, and I'm pleased to welcome you to the special CPA Canada podcast. In today's podcast, we'll discuss various considerations firms and businesses should be aware of when being required to work remotely. After listening to today's podcast, you'll gain a further understanding about the following. First, learn about how to deal with the issue of maintaining employee morale within a remote work environment. Second, review over how firms can implement a flexible working schedule to work with their employees. And finally, three, learn about how to be able to train remote employees and about other common concerns and challenges that firms are facing working remotely due to the current COVID-19 climate. On behalf of CPA Canada, it's now my pleasure to introduce today's guest speaker, Chad Davis. Chad is a partner at LiveCA LLP, a virtually accredited CPA firm. LiveCA has grown to be over 70 employees and is a firm that serves some of Canada's largest technology clients without the use of a physical office. Chad graduated from Ryerson University with a BCom in Accounting and St. Mary's University with an MBA and holds a CPA CMA designation. Chad spends his time between Halifax, Toronto, and on the road in his RV with his wife and their two small children. Please join me in welcoming Chad to this podcast. Thanks for having me, Mandy. You forgot the uh, Labradoodle. (laughs) (laughs) We got the puppy just a few months ago. All right. So our first question in this podcast is the following. So what strategies do you suggest practitioners use to help mitigate the effect of isolation of their employees due to them working remotely? Well, first, thanks for having me on. It's really a pleasure to get to speak to to other practitioners and other people listening to this. I know you and I have had a, a history in the past through other committees, and it's a, definitely a pleasure to to chat about this. Plus, it's really nice to chat about the company that we've built. I'm really proud of of everyone that's worked alongside of this firm over the last seven years. And while we haven't figured out everything, we have figured out some things. So happy to share the experience through these next few questions. And um, if anybody does have questions or wants to reach out afterwards, they can 100% reach out to me personally. I'd be happy to chat. So with that being said, you know, mitigating the effect of that isolation really comes down to having the right people on the team for us. And for the longest time, it was really, you know, the, the, the co-founders, my, myself and Josh, and a few key employees who are now partners that sort of took the brunt of this. And what we realized was that we need to be more close to the team. And to do that, uh, it's, it was in the form of an HR manager. So almost like this, this person who's ultimately responsible for that relationship um, with the team on a really, really deep level. We were fortunate enough to have somebody on the team Her name is Brianna, and she was an onboarder of all things, but really had a knack for people and uh, was very self-aware of the issues that people were going through when they worked remotely. So she was the perfect choice for leading up the HR side of the firm, and we really leaned into that. So to answer that question directly, you know, mitigating that effect of isolation is allowing Brianna and the HR team to do what's necessary. So trying new things, knowing everybody on a personal level, reaching out to them when they know that something might be wrong, but still encouraging the partners and other members of the team to to take responsibility. 
throughout that though, there also should be some regularly scheduled video calls with both, you know, a manager to an employee, um, but also on a team basis. So when we work remotely right now, um, we do so in sort of vertical teams and then there's supplementary specialist teams. We've just found that um, when you're always speaking to the same person all the time, you, you lose that perspective. So switching that up with different types of groups has been really uh, beneficial for, for those people that are sort of working remotely. Another part of this answer around sort of mitigating isolation is making sure that there's culture-related meetings. So on Fridays, we have things like a say-hi social call. We have monthly virtual games, and we also have sort of pairings where people will uh, meet with somebody that they haven't met with before in the following, say, three or four weeks. So just stuff like that all adds up. And while that list isn't exhaustive of everything we're doing to kind of help with the effects of isolation, they do all add up. And we, we like what we have so far, but it's really fun trying out new things. Perfect. That's great insight you're able to provide here to our listeners. Uh, Building upon that, in your experience, what recommendations or suggestions can you provide to small to medium practitioners and to their clients, actually, in terms of dealing with the issue of employee morale for individuals working remotely? In this current COVID-19 environment, some firms are finding it unusual working remotely. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on firms being able to make sure that their employee morale remains high. It's probably a good idea to recognize that you'll never keep the same level of morale. And just acknowledging that point is important because we live in a different time than uh, what we were all going through a few months ago. And we're really just adapting too. So this isn't where we have all the answers or we know everything that we should be doing to keep a remote team sort of not isolated, but we've learned a few things. And I think the most important thing there is to make sure there's sort of COVID-19 free places. So right now we use Slack internally for a lot of team communication and What we did was we made one channel about COVID-19 and we made it opt-in. So if people wanted to talk about that, see resources, make commentary, get tips and tricks, uh, you could. And if you wanted to mute that and didn't want to have that as part of your uh, ongoing notifications, you could turn that off. So that was really important. We found that before we did this, all of the channels were getting inundated with bleeding content and we were losing the focus of each channel. So that that was one element that kind of helped maintain that morale uh, for people that are working remotely. But outside of that, we we also have this sort of health channel. And the health channel is, it's a really interesting one because we do follow some rules of not mentioning COVID-19, but at the same time, it's filled with positivity and health-related challenges. So I know the team is doing uh, squats. uh, They're doing crunch uh, challenges. They're doing uh, running challenges uh, inside. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny what what they're they're getting through, but I think it's nice that there's that one place of positivity for them to go. But then you sort of tie that all off with constant acknowledgement that there also is a lens you have to look through the situation with, and that's of the responsibility that they have to their families and we have to the company outside of the personal issues we're dealing with. And this is an interesting topic because the realistic 
situation that we're all in is different for most people, but it's all stressful. Um, there's nothing that's sort of normal about this. So to think about it in terms of how does the company stay afloat so that you have a job and a full, a full paycheck to take care of your family, uh, where you might be the sole worker now and your spouse or partner, boyfriend, girlfriend could be out of a job. And those are some interesting conversations because you really do understand people's situation more. Um, but I think it's a healthy one because we're all trying to make sure that we get out of this from a firm perspective without having to to make significant cuts. And that's our goal. Right now, we want to get out of this without having to lay anybody off. And that's what we're putting all of our efforts towards. Things to consider and in terms of the current uh, times that we're in right now. You had mentioned there potentially using Slack as a tool in terms of to help employees deal with the mental health aspect of COVID-19. Are there any other external tools that you've seen that potentially firms could use just so that our listeners are aware of, oh, considerations to take a look at? Sure. We we never really got into the Microsoft side of uh, of sort of company ownership and, and, to, and IT tools, um, but I know friends that have, and they're really loving Microsoft Teams right now, the old Yammer, and that seems to be something that uh, that's working well for people. The things that I can speak to are are more along the lines of how we use Slack and what are some of the add-ons that um, make it really enjoyable. So I've got a couple that I could chat about. The first one is, it's a survey tool called Polly, P-O-L-L-Y. And we use this one to sort of gather information from the teams, both from a poll perspective and a survey perspective. One of the partners here, his name is Chris Frame. He manages this sort of on a weekly or biweekly basis, just depending on what the, the urgency is of getting the information. And he'll send out questions like, how are you feeling today? What are some wins? What questions would you like to have answered from other team members? What concerns do you have? Just standard stuff like that. And where it's quite easy to answer those in this sort of Slack bot, um, there's a lot of engagement. So I think over the last few years, as we've been using that tool, consistently around 80 to 90% engagement from the team, which is, which is really nice to see because the questions are being answered and people know that it's not just going into a void. The second tool is one called Donut. And Donut is a really interesting one because it pairs you up with people that you haven't spoken to in the past using that tool. So I love getting paired up with people that I might not have spoken to over a video call in weeks or months. And it's a really great way. So if you had a really large team and you're curious about what other people are doing in other other departments, uh, this donut tool will automatically match you up, do follow-ups, make sure you met, get summaries. It's, uh, it's really interesting. The third app is one called Hey Taco. I know what this sounds like, poly donut taco. Like, what is this guy <laughs> talking about? Um, but it's, it's, it's another interesting one because promise I'll stop saying interesting, but uh, Hey Taco is a fun one because you can acknowledge people by giving a taco emoji in Slack and you only have five to give out every day. So if people work with you and help you out, you give one. If someone has a great chat with you, you help them out. But that public recognition, there is definitely a psychology phenomenon happening there that I have no idea what it is, but it is 
like nothing it was like before using Heitako. And while overuse can happen, and there might be some negative effects to that long-term, there seems to be a really positive impact on the team by having that public recognition. So there's a full channel just from people thanking each other by giving them tacos. And then there's leaderboards and it's, it's incredible. Um, the last one is a product of COVID-19. One of the other partners here, his name is Dave McPherson, incredibly technically minded. And what he built was his own custom Slack app uh, and he called it Culture Board. And what it does is it takes your Slack profile, but then loops into a database to grab things like the number of team retreats someone's been on, um, how long they've been here, what awards they've won through virtual game nights, just all kinds of these little accolades that you don't track anywhere else. But it gives people that are new to the team, but also people that have been there for a while, just a remembrance of like where people have been, what they're showing up to, how they're sort of contributing to the culture. And um, it's just cool to have someone like Dave on the team who can build this stuff and have a positive impact on the team. So quick summary, Polly, Donut, Taco, and a custom Slack app. All right, perfect. No, thanks. Yeah, that's a unique names for sure in terms of the apps there. The, no, thank you for providing that insight. Um, in terms of working remotely, what I'm finding is that a lot of people are starting to use video conferencing in order to stay connected with their employees and their clients. Uh, so this will be a two-parter. One is how important is it for firms to continue to use video conferencing? And the second part, which I think is a little bit more critical, is that should firms simply implement policies to ensure that the camera is on so that everyone can see each other in a video conference. It could be very dangerous. <laughs> um, the short answers are it's incredibly crucial for the success of our company to use video. And no, I don't think there should be policies. But the more longer term answer or the long, long form answer is if we did not use video, we would be reduced to words, both written and spoken, without all of the emotion that comes with it, the body language, the eye contact, and just the realness that comes with it. I've been on video for every single call since 2013. I think I've turned it off once. But I don't mandate that the other person on the other side is. And I think I attribute a lot of the success to our sales process and the fact that we use video. So my business partner, Josh Swag, who does the sales calls with me, he'll also use his video in every single call. And while people are new to working with us, they get a feeling for what it's like. And I hear all the time from people that start off without using video, they'll start trusting us more, they'll feel more comfortable, and then they'll turn on their videos. And these are people that would never turn on a video for any reason uh, whatsoever. So it's it's really nice to see that that's sort of behavior change can occur so that you can have more of a relationship remotely. But on the policy side, it's a really interesting one. Sorry, it's not interesting. It's a, it's, I don't think it's necessary to mandate video because people are in certain situations where video doesn't make sense. It could be as simple as a technical issue with bandwidth. It could be an environment issue. It could also be just the fact that it makes them really uncomfortable. So for us, we've been lucky that almost every single person that we've ever hired is open to the idea of being on camera more once they realize how important it is to, to create that relationship. And 
I couldn't picture us being in operations without using video. Our next question here is focusing on what are examples of solutions that you have provided in helping to implement a flexible working schedule for your employees? Well, we've always been remote, which is nice. Since we started day one, uh, I was here in Nova Scotia and Josh was in Ontario and we, we never had an office. So with that sort of flexible working schedule, uh, it's always been flexible to a point. And I think that to a point piece is really important. So with employees all across Canada, I think we're up to around 70 now, this is being re- being recorded in sort of the beginning of April of 2020, there is an understanding that we don't want people to work unnecessary hours to appease someone else. But at the same time, there should be an understanding that overlap is important for collaboration and for troubleshooting and, and support and for and for servicing customers, right? So that overlap tends to be for about three or four hours a day, which is why most people will work a normal sort of eight to five, eight to four type of day. But the flexibility comes in with our sort of notion of calendar blocking. If you've blocked off time in your calendar, most people here will look to your calendar to see if you're available before reaching out. We've also made it really clear that if you have family issues to deal with, commitments, appointments, dog walking, kids around, need some time for your headspace, you take it. So there's a bit of an asynchronous type of communication culture here. So we'll use our practice management system to make notes and to have communication around customer work and that sort of flow, because we don't want to interrupt people's work. But when there is either social or urgent issues, then we turn to Slack. Then we'll turn to video if it's more more sort of, of, of an urgent issue than, than talking it through over chat. So all that combined with that hierarchy in place leads to a pretty clear, flexible working arrangement because everybody's doing that. When you have a few that aren't and they're always interrupting and not working in that sort of asynchronous way, it's really hard. So if I was someone starting to think about asynchronous communication where you make notes and the other one follows up on their own time, I would I would definitely put a lot of effort into making it a company-wide initiative versus sort of a smaller team or just a few people. Our next question here within the podcast talks about how should or how can small medium practitioners offer training within a remote work environment? This is something that is potentially new territory for many practitioners out there, as I would love to hear about what you have to say about this. Again, this comes down to having the right people uh, on the team. So in the beginning, you know, we were trying to figure this out, remote training, how do you do it? I remember our very first hire. It was actually Dave McPherson, the the, the gentleman, the, the now partner that we talked about earlier with the, the tech background. He came to my house and we had a job ad that said something along the lines of, must feel comfortable working from partner's basement for two months. <laughs> <laughs> it's cringeworthy. Absolutely cringeworthy. But he did. And it was hilarious because he drove, uh, for those familiar with Halifax, he drove from Dartmouth over to my place out in um, Hammond's Plains, which is about a 40 minute drive. And he stayed here every day. My wife cooked us meals and that's what we thought remote training was, right? Mimicking what we knew from 
other environments. And over time, we realized how silly that was for us because it was so ineffective. Why not focus on the outcomes of the training versus what we thought were the inputs of being in person? So that was the first and last time we had ever done in-person training. And, you know, 70 people later, uh, we've got an incredible program that's followed and it's been iterated and improved upon by so many people throughout the years, whether it's, you know, bookkeepers getting involved, more administrative professionals helping with uh, trial work days. Chris Frame, who oversees our sort of HR and people operations as a partner, putting in systems to do the, the training. It's probably a good place right now to just say, you know, if you're asking how should they offer training in a remote environment, I'll just tell you exactly what we do. When someone is hired, they are on three months of probation. On their very first day, they're given a login to our learning management system called Teachable. That system has three months worth of work that people will be working towards, whether it's scheduled calls, videos to watch, employee handbooks to read, uh, tasks to learn, accounting systems like Xero, and becoming certified and all of these tools that we work with. And they all have weekly outcomes. So we can see as multiple people are onboarded, what stage they're at, how they're feeling, and essentially, you know, how, what we can do to improve that onboarding so that at the end of the three-month probation, there's, there's no surprises. We've also expanded our buddy system. So in the beginning, we had one person who was attached to someone else um, to help them through. And then we added in another one uh, so that people now have sort of two buddies, one directly for the work and then another one sort of directly for sort of culture and um, environmental sort of awareness of, of how to work remotely. So it's just nice for people to get different perspectives, go through a very structured training process uh, and move on. But now part of that training is also watching pre-recorded videos, reading documents, having people review your work, working in real time with people over video chat. And we use Zoom. Now that might be a, a four-letter word here after all yeah. these security shenanigans kind of falter through. But yeah, that's that's the tool we've been using to do all of the remote training. That is definitely great insight you have provided about what firms can do to offer training within a remote work setting. As your firm has been paperless from the beginning, what tips can you give to practitioners to reduce the number of papers that a firm has to deal with? On the flip side, what benefits has your firm seen functioning paperless within the current COVID-19 environment? The last question is easier. So, you know, what benefits have we seen over the COVID-19 environment is that we haven't had to make any structural changes to how we work. So we've been able to dive in to the more important pieces of work, which is sort of rolling out mass cash flow plans for people, um, addressing all of the government notices and information and sharing that with our with our customers. We've been able to focus on that and, and keep that relationship up versus focusing on the infrastructure. To your first question, which was sort of what tips do you have for those sort of SPs and reducing the number of papers that they have to deal with? It's a long road. Um, we work completely paperlessly on like by design, but it starts with sort of your first interactions with your with your customers. It's really hard to break habits. So for those that work in firms where you know people are dropping off papers, there might not be other options because it's really hard to change people's behavior. And even in this sort of 
this crisis that we're in, even if you're forced to, some people still won't change. So I found that by training or educating customers from the very start that no paper will ever be exchanged and here's exactly how we do it, that's been pretty important. So, you know, just as it's important to bring on a new employee with those mindsets, it's also important to bring on customers. And that's why we have a full onboarding team that will start that training process, you know, give them access to the file management systems, show them how to submit documents, how to submit paperwork for bookkeeping and financial accounting, things like, I think right now we're using Receipt Bank for a lot of that. We have HubDoc in play too. So when to use which one is also a pretty important you know, piece of information. So just over time, customers get used to it, but without the resources of the write-ups and the videos and constant talking about why paperless is important, I know it'd be really hard. And I do have some friends that work in firms where there is paper pickups and they're working through some really technical challenges right now with clean rooms and waiting periods and quarantining them and just cleaning off documents. And we, we've been just kind of talking through different options for them, but without that sort of mass approach to every customer being paperless, it's really hard because you also have to have plans for the people that don't follow that. No, I totally can see that in this particular scenario. And leading into that with the current COVID-19 environment, in terms of a client perspective, how often have your clients been in regular contact with you to navigate through the current COVID-19 environment? Are many clients looking to you guys a lot to help manage them through? Or are you finding that some are just trying to figure this out on their own? This is definitely a unique situation. So we'd love to get your perspective in this area. Sure. So I guess I'll start a little bit further back, which is, you know, we, we built this knowing that we wanted to sort of marry tax and tech under one roof. We had no idea that it would ever get to this size. But once it started working, we had sort of this inkling that people, both customers and CPAs, were sort of yearning for that relationship and that consultative side of working together. So a lot of our tax managers, managers, CPA students, um, newly graduated CPAs, they, they joined us, I think, because they wanted to have that deeper relationship with customers and they were promised it and they have it. So during this crisis, they're sort of drawing down on that like, like primal instinct, I guess, to want to help. I think a lot of accountants go into the industry because they want to help businesses but sometimes their job isn't reflective of that. So I'm really happy that the managers and the tax managers that have left sort of other firms to join here, they all have the same mindset of, of support and education and, and helping, which is so abundant in the industry, and they get to actually use it. So people do reach out to us because we have that sort of unlimited support relationship where they're already trained that they can reach out to their CPA for any sort of business related issue. Is it more now because of COVID? A hundred percent. People are reaching out for sort of sensitivity analysis. They want to have clarification on the government initiatives and how that affects their, you know, whether or not, whether or not they lay people off or not. There's, there's so much emotion right now that I can't stress that enough that a lot of the message that we're seeing posted through on Slack where customers are profusely thanking us for being there, it doesn't even 
tip the scales into how much work goes into each customer. I know that our managers and associates and bookkeepers and partners and everyone along the way, they're prepping up sort of SWOT analysis. They're doing cash flow planning. They're doing sensitivity analysis. Um, and they're sort of prepping this all up before even meeting the customer so that they can go in with answers versus going in and having two or three calls. That non-billable arrangement is probably the main reason, you know, I think why we've been successful because they know that they can get as much or as little support through this process as necessary. I also know some firms that are on the billable model that sort of aren't tracking time as stringently to get through and to help others, which is like some really great stories. But then I also wonder how that affects the business and then sort of layoffs of, of team members there too. So it's an evolving situation that's that's really emotional. And I guess I'm just really proud to be around people that are matching why they got into the profession with help that's absolutely helping businesses through this. So maybe hopefully that answers that. Finally, to wrap up everything here in this podcast, a final question for you is the following. Are there any opportunities you feel that practitioners should be aware of during these unique times so that it's not all gloom and doom and we end the podcast on a positive note here? There's, there's so much opportunity. Um, I think the one thing we've, re- we've also recognized is that for things that we have been pushing off because they weren't urgent, they're, they're now more urgent. So for us, we always knew that we wanted to be more consultative. This is pushing us to be more consultative. So there is opportunity there, but there's also an opportunity to build bonds with your team. And, you know, as much as we try every month to be better than the last month, this has really tested us. It made us realize that we have to communicate more. And if you really look back at how we're communicating now versus maybe even three months ago, it's night and day. So I'll give you a couple examples of some things that um, we're doing now on a positive note that are that are really making an impact. The first is my business partner, Josh. Uh, he's the CEO of the company. And his new routine starts in the morning with a video to the company um, talking about sort of the day's events, what's happening in that day, what's happening in his life. He's just moved in with a couple cats. So we're all getting the sort of stories of of what it's like to live with Josh and two cats, which is pretty funny. Um, and it just humanizes things. And it makes people realize that, you know, we're not just working in a void remotely, but there are these recorded things getting posted in Slack, which is really nice. As a leadership team and as sort of management team meetings take place, there's an opportunity here to talk more and to prioritize and to become closer within those groups. And I haven't ever felt as close with our partner group or management group as we do now because we speak way more frequently. In fact, it's it's for the last two or three weeks, it's been an hour a day where we're just working through sort of the plan for the next day because there's so much happening. We've also introduced team Ask Me Anythings kind of to play off of the Reddit AMA styles. And uh, the last one we did was on marketing. So our website hadn't been changed in five or six years. In about a week or two or three, we'll be releasing the brand new website. So I wanted to teach the team sort of why we're doing what we're doing, what the website's going to say, what the purpose is, how they can help with marketing. And that's been really positive because now there's a lot of questions being answered in, in public. And at the same time, there's also an opportunity to double down on mental health. 
one of the things I didn't mention earlier was that we have a mental health channel. And it's a really vulnerable place where you opt in to go to this channel and share your experiences, your, your, your issues, your thoughts. It's not meant for you know, professional therapy, but the bonds that people have at this company, they're friends and they want to help each other through this. And that channel is incredible for sharing tips, but also it's a reminder that if you don't have professional support services, it's important that you get them. Uh, so for us, we we had sort of EAP services for ever since we started, but even how those are being rolled out now are a little different than what they were four or five months ago. So doubling down on that and showing what the resources are available to the team in a professional capacity are just really show that you care and help create that bond that I think we're all trying to work for. So it's, it's an incredible place to work. I really enjoy it. And uh, it's all due to every single person here who's sort of contributing to that culture. And I think deep down, we're all just wanting to be part of a tribe, just a part of a group that, you know, you feel like you're contributing and you're making a difference. And by the results of the companies that we're working with and the happiness, I guess, of the team, I I think we're, we're doing a good job of that. Thanks, Chad, for being part of the podcast here and providing your great insight to all our listeners. And we thank everybody for listening to this podcast. For further information about CPA Canada and our available resources, I encourage you to visit our website at www.cpacanada.ca. Please note that this material is provided for educational purposes only. Although it has been carefully prepared and reviewed, the presenters and the Charter Professional Accountants of Canada CPA Canada cannot accept legal responsibility for its contents or for any consequences arising from its use. The materials are meant to provoke and facilitate thought and reflection. The guidance provided to participants in response to these items is not to be interpreted as conclusive judgment on any specific situation and should not be directly applied to other situations. We thank everybody for listening and have a great rest of the day.